Hey, how's it going, everybody? This is Chris. Welcome to Ex-Lapsedination, episode four, which uh, might just be the shortest episode I've ever, ever put out. Um, we're going to be talking about Extermination number three. This had a November 2018 cover date. Stories called Extermination, part three of five, written by Ed Brisson with art by Pepe Larraz. Colors, Marty Gracia. Letters, VCs, Josebino. Edits, Robinson Shan, White, Sabalski. Cover price, $3.99. And this one went on sale September 26th, 2018. So let's start this one by taking a look at the uh, very fun cover it comes with here. It's a cover that, it's weird, it sort of both explains what happens in the issue, but it's kind of anachronistic in that um, all of our X-Force characters, because the picture is uh, Jean Grey, the young Jean Grey, hanging out with X-Force, which is kind of what we're going to be getting to in this issue, and it was hinted at in the last issue. But what we see here is young Jean surrounded by, like, a very different-looking X-Force team. Like, Shatterstar doesn't look anything like current-year Shatterstar. He looks like he's straight out of 1991. They actually, all of the uh, the X-Force characters look like they're straight out of 1991 here. We've got Cannonball and his old Togs, uh, Boom Boom with the, uh, the shorter hair, uh, Domino, and Warpath. And they're all straight out of X-Force number one from the looks of it here, but... Uh, that's not reflected on the inside, for better or for worse, I suppose. But let's hop right in here, and we open at, let me get a uh, running start here, the Xavier Institute for Mutant Education and Outreach, which I hate every, I think I hate it a little bit more every time I say it, because it's such a long name. Now we pick up pretty much right where we left off with issue two, where old man Logan has been houndified, and he's currently got the young Hank McCoy in his sights. From here, we get an immediate scene shift to C. Rebro, where young Scott Summers is holed up with the Red Team, much to his chagrin. You see, he'd much rather be with the rest of the time-displaced teammates, but, you know, he needs some protecting. That's kind of what, uh, that's the order that Kitty passed, and, uh, well, they're just going to do what they got to do. Next, we shift scenes again, and we're on board a jet with the old X-Force and young Jean Grey. Of course, toward the end of last issue, she said she wanted to hang out with them. And she admits that she invaded their minds to find out what they have in mind. Which, as we've talked about before, was sort of young Jean's M.O. She would uh, just go into people's brains. Um, Now, she knows that they're after young Cable because, well, they'd really like to kill young Cable. We go back to Xavier's here, and old man Logan is swiping. And am I only now realizing that he's got bone claws? I I, I tell you, I'm not always the most perceptive. I, I don't know if he always just had bone claws, or if this was something that, uh, that was new-ish. I don't know. Now, the Elder Beast gets involved, and he questions how Ahab could have possibly programmed Logan to be a hound with such quickness. 
Usually the hound making process is time intensive, so uh, you know what gives? Was it my guess from last episode that Old Man Logan has always been a sleeper hound? No, 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 it's not that at all, actually. Now, Ahab explains that he was able to fast-track the programming with a little help from his little friends, Maxime and Manon. If you remember, the event miniseries began with their rescue. You see, Maxime does some emotional manipulation, and from there, Manon uh, implants what Ahab refers to as a psychic bomb. Basically, years worth of memories. So, years worth of hound programming, even, all in one go. Real Bobby swoops in, demanding to know what happened to his younger self. Stands to reason. And, uh, can we just parse that sentence for a second? I I gotta wonder how the uninitiated might receive such a statement. You know, real old Bobby comes in wanting to know what happened to his younger self. Eh. Anyway, Ahab swats him away. Beast then monkey flips old man Logan away. Then Storm pops in to tell real Hank to get young Hank the heck out of Dodge. Ahab laughs that there's nowhere to run. You see, old man Logan isn't the only insta-hound that he's created of late. And so, with a snap of his fingers, we shift scenes back over to Cerebro, or Cerebro, the underwater place where the red team hangs out, where young Cyclops is suddenly attacked by Nightcrawler. Now, he gets grabbed and bamfed. But to where? Well, we'll find out soon enough. First, we gotta shift scenes back to the X-Force jet, where young Jean Grey is attacked by Shatterstar. Back to Cerebro, young Scott is dumped deep in the drink. Young G- Real Jean... <laughs> oh, boy. Real Jean worries that the water pressure will kill him, down at the bottom of the ocean where they're at. Back to the jet, X-Force fights off Shatterstar. Young Jean attempts to reach into Gavrida Seven's mind, but cannot. Back to Cerebro, young Scott is somehow rescued, and he's laid out on a bed. Back to the jet, Cannonball decides, F it, and he blasts Shatterstar out the side of the rig. Back to Xavier's, Ahab sends a few hounds after young Beast. Suddenly, however, young Cable shows up, and then body slides him and young Beast out of there. At which time, Ahab and company decide, eh, nothing left for us here, let's just leave. We shift over to Cable's safe house, where he's now got three of the time-displaced original five. Kid Cable hears some screaming in the next room, and we see that it's the mimic, Calvin Rankin, hooked up to a machine of sorts. And he's not in a good way. Cable asks the AI professor to KO the fella, and so it does. Now, if I were a betting man, which thankfully I'm not, I'm, I'd guess that uh, the old mimic is about to undergo a wingectomy. Maybe to give young Warren his feathers back before he goes back to where he came from. Let's go back to X-Force. Young Gene and Domino talk about their plan, and yeah, it's to kill the kid who killed Cable, which is to say, kill Kid Cable. Young Gene is a bit standoffish, but still on board with the mission. We shift scenes to the Pequod, which I suppose is Ahab's floating helicarrier type of thing. Hound Nightcrawler arrives and informs old Pegleg that he's like, uh, you know, 95% sure that young Scott is dead. Ah, it's not good enough for Ahab, and so he sets course for Cerebro to ensure that the deed is done. He also ponders where the other time-displaced teens might have gotten off to. Maxime and Manon inform him that there's another player in this game, Kid Cable. Now, they're not sure exactly what he's up to, but what they do know is that whatever it is he's up to, he's probably too late. And this takes us to the end 
We're going to Cable's safe house again, where he finds himself attacked by Young Jean and X-Force. And that is where we leave it. So, let's talk about this, I guess. Um, We are now just past the midway point of this event miniseries. And this was very much a, um, like a transitional issue, right? It got us from point A to point B. Um, thing of it is, there isn't a whole heck of a lot to say about it. Um, you've probably heard me mention the old uh, quandary of part four of six, right? Uh, the part four of a six-part story is always just like, why are we even bothering, right? It's just uh, either bits and pieces of recap. It's just, it's connective tissue that... You really start to see the seams of um, decompression in that sort of a situation here. This doesn't feel decompressed, but it does feel very much like a... Uh, you know, it's it's probably not fair for me to say since I haven't read the second half of this, but it feels like they just crammed a whole lot in here just to get it out of the way. We set, we set the stage in the first two issues, and now it's just like, okay, we got to get some stuff moving here, so... Bada bing, bada boom, we have all these scenes play out. It's very cinematically done, very well done. I enjoyed it. But it's hard to uh, it's hard to really think about a whole lot to say about it, which isn't a failing of the book. It's kind of a failing of my, uh, my process, I suppose, uh, more than anything. Uh, what can I say? Uh, I felt like this was very clever use of Maxime and Manon. It makes sense why they showed up now. I didn't know where they came from when I first saw them in the Dawn of X books. I think we saw them in... I think it was the uh, the first part of the New Mutants uh, farm story. Was might have been the first time we saw them there. Though we might have seen them before that. I don't know. But I remember not knowing where they came from. I did see them in Age of X-Men. But I didn't think that's where they originated. Now we know that they originated here. And now we know why. They originated here because they have the ability to instantly houndify someone. So, very a very creative use, and it makes me uh, question all the more: where in the hell does Old Man Logan go? I don't know what his end is. I thought maybe this was it, but it doesn't look like it is. Um, now, if this story's headed where I think it might be headed, this is very clever use of Calvin Rank in the mimic as well. Um, over the years. Young Warren, young Angel, got like those weird glowing wings, right? And to send him, if he is a 616 character, to send him back to the past with those wings would be, well, it would change a lot of things, right? So we need to make him whole again, and uh, what better way than with Calvin Rankin's wings? Which, it's weird to think of that if this story is going the way I think it's headed... Warren's going to get new old wings and be sent back in time. And from that point on, he'll be using the Mimic's wings. That's, uh, it's not quite, you know, Hal Jordan with Malvolio's ring after Action Comics Weekly, but it's still kind of weird. It's still kind of weird. Um, X-Force, wanting revenge against Cable's killer? Cable? <laughs> it makes a lot of sense, right? Uh, it was fun hearing their uh, reminiscences, you know. Uh, Boom Boom mentions... That Cable and Domino, they, you know, they go way back and they used to take baths together all the time. And that's actually a reference to something that we saw in very, very early X-Force. They bathed once, I believe. It was a, uh, it was back when Liefeld was still on the book. And, like, you would think, if you saw this page, you would think the bathtub was the size of, like, an infinity pool. Like, it was just a massive bathtub with, like, Domino on one side and Cable on the other. It's like... Like those, uh, like the scenes of uh, Bruce Wayne having dinner, 
right? It's like a giant table with him on one end and his guest all the way like you'd have to like get the cans of soup with a string to talk to the person across the table. That's how far apart Cable and Domino would be in these damn in this damn bath. But uh, I thought it was funny that they uh, that Boom Boom mentions it here because you know it doesn't take much to conjure up that image because it's just so weird. And I'm guessing that uh, that Brisson has very similar uh, memories of that scene. That uh, many of us who were around at the time probably do And just like, oh yeah, I remember that It didn't happen often, but the time it did happen was pretty bizarre And memorable, because it was just weird So I like that a lot But other than that, not a whole heck of a lot more to say The art, of course, was fantastic um, This is still, you know, Pepe Larraz is our, uh, our House of X team here Pepe Larraz and Marty Gracia Really, really good stuff. Really pretty book. Makes the book feel like it's very, very important. And despite the fact that uh, maybe this was a little bit weaker than the first two issues, I still very much enjoyed it. And I'm still looking forward to uh, seeing how this all comes out the back end. So uh, that, my friends, is Extermination number three. Halfway through this event miniseries. Before I cut out of here, I do want to uh, say a few words here. Because today... As this comes out, it's January 31st of 2021, which means five years ago today, I started Chris'sOnInfiniteEarths.com and uh, have been putting out content there every single day ever since. So five solid years of comics discussion and podcasts and reviews and chatter and stupidity and nonsense. And uh, I would like to thank everyone for their support over these last five years. I really wish there was more I could do to celebrate and commemorate. But uh, as I've mentioned in several shows of late, I'm in the middle of a move. So time is not on my side (laughs) as far as uh, being able to set aside time to adequately celebrate something like five years of uh, solid blogging. Maybe I'll put up a few words on the site uh, if I can find the time or even think about how I want to pursue it, you know. Um, Chris is on Infinite Earth started as one thing and now it's something very, very different. Uh, and a lot of that's out of necessity. And a lot of that was affected by uh, events of the past couple of years. So I hope everyone is still enjoying what it is that I do. And uh, I would like to thank everyone for letting me be a part of this community for as long as I've. Uh, been trying to be a part of this community so thank you all so much and uh if you'd like to check out some of the stuff at chris's on infinite earth you can do so at chris's on infinite earth.com it's a pretty easy place to find it might autofill for you probably not probably not but uh you can find a lot of stuff there for the first uh four years it was all dc comics reviews i uh, spent about I think it was 10 solid months talking about every single story in Action Comics Weekly, something that I called Action Comics Daily. So every day there was a new story from Action Comics Weekly, that uh, the anthology series from uh, 1988-1989. I've gone through almost all of Vartox's appearances, the Bronze Age Superman frenemy, and I hate the fact that I just said that word. That's all up there. We called that Vartox Week, and it took about a month, so... There's that. I uh, also did all the bonus books and uh, and preview inserts from DC Comics throughout uh, the early 80s 
and into the uh, late 80s with the uh, post-crisis versions of those. Those are all up there on the site. A lot of stuff there. A lot of stuff there. I think it's something like 2 million words about comic books are up there right now. So if you have a free uh, afternoon or two, Chris is on InfiniteEarths.com is waiting for you. Now, if you'd like to get a hold of me, you could do so very, very easily. You can find me on Twitter at Ace Comics or shoot me an email over at WeirdComicsHistory at gmail.com. Again, Chris is on InfiniteEarths.com. There's also XLapsed.ChrisIsOnInfiniteEarths.com. There's also Moratory.ChrisIsOnInfiniteEarths.com. There's also CosmicTreadmill.ChrisIsOnInfiniteEarths.com. A lot of subdomains for a lot of the different projects that we work on over there. Uh, if you'd like to talk with us about X-Men stuff, our little group is 90s X-Men on Facebook. There's also a Chris's on Infinite Earths group on Facebook if anybody's interested in that. And, of course, the entire audio archives are available at chrisandreggie.podbean.com. Well, that'll do it for this installment of X-Lapsed Nation. I'd like to thank you all so, so much for deciding to share your time with me today. Until next time, as always, I'll talk to you again real soon. See ya.